Welcome to Her Sacred Sexuality Podcast, the show that celebrates our God-given sexuality for women who want to unlock their feminine power. We're your hosts, Karen Welton and Bethany Phillips, two friends passionate about liberating women from the shackles of shame and condemnation to uplevel every area of our lives through pleasure and play. Join us in our slumber party style conversations as we discuss taboo topics such as sex, kink, and relationships for women of faith who desire more. Discover how good sex can be and the limitless possibilities when we embrace our sacred sexuality. Welcome back, girlfriends, to her Sacred Sexuality Podcast. I'm your co-host, Karen Welton, and today I have the incredible honor of interviewing my co-host of this podcast, Bethany Phillips. (laughs) So today you guys are in for a treat. Bethany is sharing her whole story of how she got here and her history, her experiences, her life just growing up and what it was like in her family and then going through high school, getting married and what really led her to the point of sitting down here with me hosting a sexuality podcast for faith-based women. And let me tell you guys, you are going to be blown away. There are so many juicy details to her story. I cannot wait to jump right in. And I believe that this is going to set people free. This is going to be so permission giving and inviting and approving of so many people, so many women who have likely felt ostracized or judged by the church or by Christians or felt like you didn't have a place at the table. And I just want to tell you right now, ladies, you have a place at the table here. We are welcoming you in and I want you to open your heart big and wide to listen to the gems in her story and let it inspire you and give you permission to show up as your full self here. So Bethany, welcome. Tell us about your story. Yeah. So I'm so excited to share this with you guys. So growing up, I was raised in a really sex positive home. My parents were so wonderful about making sex not a shame-based topic, which I really feel like has led me to a place like today where there is no shame wrapped around sex. Sex is enjoyable, playful, fun, like all the things you want it to be for me. Um, And I really, I know I have a lot of that to owe to my parents because they created such a beautiful container growing up Mm. with under the umbrella of sexuality, right? That is Um, such a gift and something that I think so many women have not experienced. I agree. I think it was, I was really, really blessed to have parents who talked about it openly, who showed us like what a a healthy sex life looked like. Like they were, you know, we knew when the door was shut and locked, that was mom and dad's time. Like (laughs) they didn't, they didn't dive into details, but we knew that was like, their time their privacy like obviously as we got older it was like okay we know what's going on but (laughs) that was it gave us permission and my mom you know growing up once I became like a 12 13 year old you know she said you the only times you should lock your doors when you're naked or when you're masturbating at the time I didn't realize what she was actually saying and what she was giving me permission to do But as I got older, it was like, oh, wow, this is incredible. You know, like this is, I have freedom here, you know? So backing up a little bit, something that happened 
when I was young, like in preschool, I was um, sexually abused by a peer in that I went to preschool with. She was a like one of my best friends in preschool and she came to my house and she touched me inappropriately several times and made me really think that that was what love was. That was what friendship was. And I suppressed that until I was 29. I had completely um, suppressed that memory, those emotions, everything about it. Like you didn't even have the, the memory of it until 29. Wow. I did not. My husband and I went to a Tony Robbins event called Date with Destiny. And on the last day, he had us do a very visceral meditation. And it it brought me back to my earliest memory because up until then, I didn't have any memories past the age of like maybe, I don't know, seven or eight. So like I was second grade or so. And everyone was able to think so far back and I couldn't. And he guided us into like, Hey, try and strip back. Like what's, what's holding the dam. And finally I was able to get to this very uncomfortable and dark memory and expose it and put it in the light. And in that same meditation, we were brought to like, to like fully heal it. Yeah. Um, like fully and, experience the emotion of it so that you can heal yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where powerful. were you? How did you feel everything? And, and then it was, okay, how do you think that person felt? What was happening in them? And then it was scale back even more, like see it from God's perspective. And I was able to have literally a complete 180. I mean, something that came up like that, that could have caused a lot of trauma in my adult life was immediately healed by doing that meditation and by guiding me through those thoughts, because I then had compassion for her because she was probably touched like that inappropriately thinking that that was love for her. And then I had compassion for myself that when, as I got older and I thought that that was appropriate and love with my friends that I had no idea. I had no clue. And the shame that that brought me, I thought I was this terrible person. I was this broken girl. And really I was just hurt. You know, I was, something had been done to me and I had no voice in the matter. Mm. So that caused you a lot of shame in just growing up, not realizing, oh, that's not normal. That's not how (laughs) girlfriends act to each other. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Because I experienced that until I was about maybe eight or nine. So like for a couple of years, thinking that was like totally fine. And so then I was exposed because my friend told her mom and then her mom told my mom and then my mom talked to me and I got, you know, I got in trouble. I was the cause of this. And because I had suppressed all of the memories of what had happened to me, I thought I was the problem. I was the cause. There was something wrong with you for for doing that. You're like a bad person. And how could you? Wow. That must've brought so much shame on you as a little kid. And oh my gosh, so much shame. Yeah. And just, you know, being awoken so young mm. sexually and how that 
affected me later on because I developed a pornography addiction by the time I was 18. Once I left the house, you know, I had seen like things here and there online, like before then, but really when I turned 18 and I moved out of the house, I bought my first vibrator and I, I became completely addicted and submissive to porn. Hmm. Um, when it did was you start? So, so I moved um, to North Carolina after I graduated high school. And when I moved there, I had two roommates and I don't know, there was, I, I think I was like, I was sexually charged. I was totally a part of hookup culture. I wanted to fuck everything and just, I, I just had no moral code. I had no moral code and I didn't care. I just wanted to do whatever I want with whoever I want whenever I wanted. And so at that time, I was just like, well, why not? I'm single. I was newly single because I was dated my high school sweetheart until I graduated. And then we agreed that as soon as I moved away, we were going to break up. So that's exactly what happened. And I was horny and I wasn't getting any from a real life person. So I was like, well, I got to get myself off. So I looked to porn and it was the thing was is that we didn't have internet in our house so I would have to go somewhere with internet and then download porn and then bring it back to my house and that became a necessity it was like it was like a chore I would go to the coffee shop to a local coffee shop can you imagine this this is while you're living at home no this is when no this is I have moved out. I am living in North Carolina. I'm in a different state than my parents. And I went, I would go to coffee shops and I would sit in like the corner, like where there there was like a wall here. And I would like twist my computer and I would put my headphones in and I would download all my porn. And then I would save the, the links. I would let them like load and then I'd save them. So when I got home, I could watch them throughout the week. And that has some intention to it. (laughs) Tell me about it. I was desperate. And I, at the time I didn't realize like how crazy that was like how, like, Oh my God, I really went out of my way to find this, to get this. I'm I'm like, Yeah. Like the hold it had on you. Yes. I had no idea the chokehold that porn had on me and it was fine. It was normal. It was like not a big deal at all. And so I would watch porn like four to five times a day. Wow. And so I would wake up, watch porn. I would get ready for work, watch porn before I went to work, came home from work, watch porn before I went to bed, watch porn. Like that was just my roommates caught me watching porn. Like it was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. like there's Bethany again, masturbating. It was just <laughs> so normal. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't realize that a, it wasn't talked about for women, first of all, because we always associate porn being for men, but that it affected my clit. Like I, there was a time where I was having very little sensation in my clit because I was doing it so much. And so it was like my, I had to like get like the really intense vibrators and nothing was working anymore. And it took until I was 25, 24, yeah, 24 or 25 that I finally recognized it was an addiction. And uh, another thing is 
when I would watch porn, it was mainly lesbian porn because that porn actually spoke to me. And it was like, oh, this is for the girl. I, you know, a woman's getting pleased. So that was a part of it. Plus it probably had some attachment to what had happened to me as a child because it was with a girl and it felt safer and it wasn't intense and whatever. Mm. It was softer and more gentle. And yeah. so I do want to speak to the women who are listening to this right now that if you've ever watched porn and you got addicted to it and you watched porn and it was lesbian porn. Like, I don't want to put shame around that because it was probably, probably a reason behind it. And you're probably not gay because of that. Is that okay to say? No, (laughs) I think that makes sense. And I think, I think a lot of women probably have felt attraction to other women or watched, you know, lesbian porn. And you're right. It doesn't mean you're necessarily gay. Like we're not saying you are or aren't like that that's not a subject we're necessarily experts in but I just think it's important to tell stories and to hear the story of someone who experienced that and to like you know trace it back to oh there's a reason there was a reason you were attracted to that and it's not that you're necessarily gay it or but maybe it was because you couldn't relate to the masculine and feminine porn maybe mm-hmm. and and I think that it, it says something about like our sexuality and our purity even as children that when something is awakened so young you know like the bible says do not awaken love before it's time and it was almost like what I'm hearing you say is like basically as a young innocent child with a healthy upbringing of sexuality you had this experience that awakened sexuality in you before it was really time. And what that did was it created this like codependency almost or this passion that you probably had to like push down. And anytime you push something down and hide it in shame and like bury it, it just gets stronger and grows. And then it manifests and becomes this like obsession. So it sounds like that's exactly what happened for you that this experience that unlocked sexuality for you at a really like much too young age that you didn't really have the comprehension as a child to know, oh, I was actually abused there's nothing wrong with me and then you start acting out and that brings more shame so then what do you do with it you go to the only safe place you can find which is oh pornography and oh this reminds me this lesbian pornography reminds me of the encounters I had as a child even though you might not have even connected it but emotionally you probably felt the same emotions watching that pornography as you did like feeling loved or attracted or like whatever those feelings that were evoked for you at those earlier stages, but not knowing like why. I wanted to know too, like how did this connect to your spirituality or your relationship with God? Like, was it just totally separate? Did you like compartmentalize it all? Or was it like filled with shame? Like, how did you rationalize all this? Yeah, I think that they were in two different categories in my life. And I had a very masculine way of thinking and being. I was able to get the hot guy. You know, I I bagged some hotties. And, but like, I acted like the guy, like, I remember there were times where I would hook up with a guy, he would come over to my house and then I would like give him his clothes and I'd be like, bye, see ya. Like, (laughs) here's the door. Thanks. Dang girl, like heartless. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. No. Can I get your number? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Bye. So did you Did you, was there like any fear or confusion in your mind? Like you're watching lesbian porn, but you're hooking up with guys. Were you like, oh, I'm, I'm bisexual or I don't know what I am. Like, how did that, how how did you go from one to the other like that? Yeah, I think it was funny because I think I, I really recognized like 
no, I'm not really interested in women. Like I never looked at women and was like, Ooh, I want to like have sex with her. You know, I was, I was very attracted to men, but I just recognized that the male female porn that existed wasn't meant for me like it, it wasn't it meant for a woman for <laughs> yeah, no yeah. so you that know it was it was one of those things that I was like okay well I want to see a woman be pleased and like have an orgasm and yeah. so that's what I would that that's I ended up figuring out that that was the porn that actually showed, showed that. that that makes sense because most of porn is probably aimed toward men and it shows men being pleasured and orgasming not the woman's pleasure which is so interesting that's like a whole nother topic we could probably get into but yeah (laughs) and I I think it's like such a relevant topic because so many women are actually have struggled with pornography and you're absolutely right we don't talk about it I don't know the statistics maybe you do but I think it's like a high percentage like one in three women or one in four or one in five something like that are have struggled with porn addiction and yeah I didn't mean personally but here when I heard that statistic for the first I was just like wow I did not know that I just thought it was for guys like a lot of people probably do yeah I feel like the women who don't watch porn are like the women who are like oblivious to the other women watching porn you know like we're like wait what it's like women watch that it's like uh, yeah (laughs) yeah we do (laughs) you're like oh honey 24 7 yeah yeah so maybe yeah at the time it was like all the time and obviously when I got married it slowed down but it was still an addiction I was still going back to it I was still it still had its fangs in me you know and so there was a time when I finally like when it really bubbled to the surface because I started feeling conviction I was leading a women's small group and I was still deep in this thing you know and it got to a point where I I would watch porn and then I would feel so disgusting. Like Mm. it shifted from apathy of like, yeah, okay. I had an orgasm moving on with the day, whatever to, I would orgasm. And then it was like, someone poured lead down my throat and everything felt heavy and weighty and I was exhausted and I felt gross. And then I became irritated. I was like, so irritated with Johnny. It affected our marriage. And then I could tell when he watched porn because he would be like that towards me. And I'm like, did you watch porn? And he's like, son of a bitch. (laughs) You know, (laughs) she got me. And it's like, I can tell God allowed us insight. Like he pulled the curtain back for us and was like, this is what's taking place. This is how it's affecting your marriage, your mentality, your physicality, like everything. It affected everything. And so there was a night at our small group and I made the decision to confess it. I, as the leader of the small group, mind you, there's like 10 to 12 women in this group. And I was so nervous. I like, I can remember everything about the night where I was sitting and whatnot. And I was just like, okay, I need to confess something to you guys. I am addicted to porn and I don't want to be anymore. And I need accountability and I need to say it. So I'm not covering it or covering it with shame or whatever. This is really hard for me to do, but here I am, That's so scars brave. and all. That must have and taken some courage. It was, yeah, I, w- I was definitely rocky going into it, but 
Karen, what was so freaking cool about this night was like six other women ended up saying that they were addicted to porn. Get out. Out of how many? I'm not like kidding. 10? Out of like 10 or 12. Like it was a small like group and it was them. like, it was like a domino effect. It was like one girl yeah. was like, oh my God, me too. And then another one was like, me three. And then it was like, wow. what is happening? And in that moment, it was like God revealing what being able to confess our sins one to another so we could be healed really looked like it was like oh my gosh such a space for like acceptance like we're you are not in a space of shame we're not going to shame you we're going to love each other we're going to hold each other accountable we're going to be here for each other like that is the church that is what the body of christ is for right so It, it was such an impacting part of my life. And I, I don't want that to feel like, oh, I'm tying that in a neat bow because I'm going to be fully honest and transparent with you and our listeners. I still struggle with the desire to go back to porn. Like when I am feeling weak, when I'm feeling anxiety, depression, tiredness, like when I'm not fully guarding my heart, it totally comes, it will sneak in that those thoughts will absolutely come into my head. It's like, oh, just watch porn. You, can, you just want to like, uh, get a, get a release of something, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to like come out here and say like, oh, everything's perfect. It's all gone. It's like the devil is so lazy that he will use the same tactics over and over. And we have to be the ones to hold up that line, hold that boundary and say, no, you have no space here. So that's what I have to do still. And I'm still doing that. And that is my honest truth about my relationship with porn and what Mm -hmm. I've experienced in that space. And I I think it's pretty relatable, but a lot of women keep it to themselves. 100%. And because it's not talked about, there's another like layer of shame. And I just think it's so beautiful that you first of all, that it was like, a God conviction that he like convicted you, it wasn't like somebody like, Oh, that's evil and like, putting it on you, but that you you had this conviction, you had a safe place to share it. And how beautiful is it that you were able to be loved and accepted and have other women around you who could empathize with you and say like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't, I don't want this in my life anymore. And have people you could walk through that journey with. I think that's so beautiful. And I just don't, I don't know too many people who've experienced that. I think anytime we're confessing our sins, it can, it can easily become like a, heavy thing like if it's like forced you know or if it's like yeah pushed on you but because it was like it came from your own heart and Christ's conviction there's so much power in that in confessing and I just want to give any of our listeners permission here like that you know I feel like maybe this is going to inspire some of you to confess to your sins confess something that God's been convicting you of not out of pressure not out of obligation not out of like legalistic like someone forcing it but because you truly have felt God leading you to do that and you want to be set free and I love your honesty that you're still saying like hey I still struggle with this temptation sometimes it's not like it just immediately disappeared but did you get a break through like what happened after you did confess it like did that shift things for you it was funny because it wasn't like this immediate like cut off right it was 
instead of a couple of days a week, it was like, I would do it one day a week, but that one day a week, I would go back to my small group and I would confess to my prayer partner. I would say, Hey, I watched it. I felt, I felt it again. Like this is the state of mind I was in. And then it just, I would go from like doing it one week and then I wouldn't do it for like a month. It was like, Whoa, I would have to balance it from like, okay, I know that I am sinning. Like I know that I sinned. I know I fucked up, but also go you Beth. Like you made it a month. That's a really big deal. And I'm proud of you celebrating the wins in between. Yeah. 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 Because that's equally as important because if I'm completely going back to the, the shame and like, why would you do that? Why you're so dumb. Like you made this mistake again, blah, blah, blah. Well, then, yeah, that that will always be the state I go to. So why heal? Why get better? Why move yeah. forward? You know, so I had to also honor myself and applaud myself in those moments of the wins because yeah. they were at the time, like when it was happening now, like I can, you know, I go a really long time without watching it because I have a great sex life and I don't need it, you know, but like if it happens once a year, you know, twice a year, it's like. Oh, okay. But I recognize what causes it to happen. Yeah. Like what your triggers are, what my triggers are. Right. So then I'm able to backpedal it and it's like, okay, what's getting me here? What do I need to do? What needs to change? What in my environment, what in my head? And I can approach it in a much clearer way. Whereas back then it was like, all I was doing was confessing and keeping it out there. And God was just, he just kept revealing. He's so loving. He's so kind. You know, I never felt separation from him during that time. I I actually felt closer to him. And I just feel he was like, this is what's happening. This is, you're going to keep feeling this as long as you do this, you know? That is so beautiful that you were able to like walk that journey without shame or condemnation. And I feel like it's actually, it makes so much sense to me now. Like as a person, you're so accepting, you're so non-judgmental, and it makes so much more sense to me now hearing your story, because like you walked through something that would typically be an incredible, incredibly shameful thing for like a Christian to admit, like I had this massive porn addiction and God helped me get set free from it. And it just makes me like, realize like, yeah, you had empathy and compassion for yourself. You gave grace to yourself and now you can give grace to others. And like, sometimes the most judgmental people are actually the most judgmental toward themselves first. And so as a person, I can just see how you exude love and acceptance because you walked through something really hard and were able to do it with God in a way where you didn't separate from him. You didn't turn away from him, but you did it with him, which is so unique and so beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate that because it's, I didn't even think about that really until you said it of like my empathy and like compassion for others, like being linked to that, but it probably very much is because I had to give that a lot to myself in order to be able to do the same for others. And I think that's why this conversation in general, like our podcast, it invites people of like that have felt that, that have felt that shame because sometimes people just give up and it's like, don't give up. Like Mm -hmm. don't allow shame to win out on this, you know, like allow God to transform you and recognize that you're going to hit 
you know, the, the bumps in the road every once in a while. And that's okay. Give yourself the grace for those things, you know? So anyways, that's, that's that part of my story. I love it. Like you just, you, I love that so much about you. I feel like you have such a freedom in this area and it's so inspirational. Uh, Tell us a little bit about losing your virginity and then getting married and like what it's like now. Um, So I lost my virginity as a senior in high school. And uh, it was with my high school sweetheart. It was nothing special. I literally remember thinking like in the moment, like, this is it. This is what people like lose their minds over. Like, like I'm going to go back to porn. This is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time I hadn't even been exposed. I really hadn't had like any addiction to porn. It was like, oh, okay, this is pre-porn addiction. Okay. This is pre-porn addiction. Wow, so, interesting. so did you orgasm when you had sex for the first time? No, no. Oh my God. No, girl. <laughs> I was, I was in my, my Volkswagen, like in the, seat of the car hell no there was no way an orgasm was gonna happen there was nothing romantic about it so yeah and then I had sex throughout like my college years quote-unquote college years because I didn't go to college I went to beauty school and I fooled around a lot I've had a threesome with a guy and a girl I've like wait 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 wait. you can't just breeze past that (laughs) (laughs) hold on we're gonna talk about that wait tell okay I need a timeline okay we got porn addiction here we got losing your virginity we got a threesome now you just dropped on us okay (laughs) help me give me some context (laughs) dropping some some bombs here okay what what led to what what, when did all this happen okay so I lost my virginity when I was in high school by the time I had moved out on my own um I was 18 so I moved to North Carolina and when I was there that's where my porn addiction started and sleeping around fooling around and the threesome all happened during that time of porn porn addiction was all wrapped around so this was all like the other giant ball of passion and intense and like bethany will just call this like her sinful fear i don't know yeah <laughs> like when, I, when i say <laughs> i was a horny girl and so <laughs> well, and i had like looking for any outlet you could to like get that like itch itched or like that craving met probably I thought I was hot shit Karen I was (laughs) (laughs) literally I thought I was like I'm so attractive and honestly that's what I think attracted men to me was like that that confidence totally exactly I was like I'm hot I know I'm hot so I'm I'm hot and horny baby (laughs) yes so I love the confidence. There was, there was one uh, sexual partner that I had that was probably the most lustful that I ever had. And he was really like the one anchor to why I understand that sex is really made for marriage because that partner, it was so lustful. It was like, like all we could do was have him or it was both, ways. both. And it, it was like, all we could do was have sex all the time, nonstop. Like we couldn't get our hands off of each other. And once I got married, there was a comparison. Mm. And so 
my husband, I mean, we're, he's like my favorite sex partner I've ever had. He's the best. He knows my body better than almost I know it, you know, especially 13 years into our relationship. But that was one kind of signature, like ding, especially after I got married that I was like, okay, I understand why this is so necessary to have this within the marriage because it's easy to compare it to other partners that you have. And I really didn't compare anyone else except that one partner. What happened to that relationship? It was a long distance thing. And it, he was like going into the military and he was just like, I, I can't do this. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to work, whatever. There was like some religious stuff involved in there too. Like he didn't believe similar things that I believed at the time. And yeah, there was reasons. And, and then he actually reached out to me like a couple of months ago. Get <laughs> <And> out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, he like found me and was like, I have not stopped thinking about you ever since. And I talked to him for two days and I wasn't, you know, giving him anything. And I told my husband about it. I was like, hey, I just want to let you know. And he knew exactly who it was because we have a very open relationship and we talk about everything. There's nothing secret between my husband and I. And um, and so he was like, whoa, okay, how does this make you feel? And I was like, honestly, I feel I my ego is being just Stroked right now. like <laughs> shoot to the moon, baby. Like I was feeling so good because I was like, oh my gosh, this guy that I've had a history with is coming back and saying, I've thought about you. You've been on my mind. And I told my husband, I was like, it felt really good. It really did, you know, because I'm like, still, I still got it. You know, that's what it like felt like. But this girl still got it. Was he jealous? Johnny? Yeah. Um, If he was, he didn't really, he didn't really like make it seem like that. He was just like, okay. So you what know, did you he, tell he, him? He's like, I have, I've been thinking about you for how long had it been? Like what, 10, 20 years? Something like Yeah. 10. Oh no. Probably like 15. Yeah. Like 15 years. Wow. And I was like, I think you're just thinking about who I was. I was like, I'm literally a grown woman now. Like I have a child, I'm married, you know? And he was like, I know, but I still think you're an incredible woman. I think you're beautiful. I think all these things. And I just wish I would have married you. And wow. Yeah. And you left an impression. I clearly. <laughs> and talk, talk about to like soul ties and like how to your point of like that this, this kind of intimacy and passion truly belongs in a covenant marriage relationship because yeah. when it's not it leads to those soul ties it leads to like like you had a hook in his heart baby for like yeah over a decade and it yeah. probably wasn't easy for you to get over that relationship either I would imagine I mean no. you have a great relationship with your husband now but like that kind of love that intimacy that intensity is so much better in covenant yeah, because... relationship where it's protected and safe yes because even when like when me and my husband ever had like hardships or like we were in a really bad spot in our marriage, guess who I thought about him, yeah. you know, yeah. and, I, and then I, the curiosity would pop in. And what was funny is he was messaging me because he was in a similar spot with his 
partner. And so it was like, no, I'm not going to entertain this. You know, like I'm, he, you know, wanted to talk to me on the phone and I was like, only if it's to help you fix your marriage or whatever, really he's not married, but only if it's to help you with that. And, um, so you could feel him did. like you could feel him like pulling on you. Oh, for sure. Because it yeah. was like curiosity, ego got the best of me. And I did not hide. I did not want to hide it from my husband. I, I didn't tell him for like a day. And then the second day is when I told him, but just that time was like, Mm-mm, this is, this could go in a really bad yeah. direction. If I chose if you let for it. it to go in a, ba- a bad direction, yeah. you know? So having to recognize like, what is this worth it? No, it's mm-hmm. not worth it at all. So I'm not going to entertain this. Like I love my life. I love, love my husband. I love my child. I love our family. Like mm-hmm. I love myself too much, you know? And I I just love that you were wise enough to have those boundaries to go from a girl who like had no moral code was sleeping around with everybody like hot and horny to having this like crazy relationship. You could have so easily invited that back in, right? Like he was there, he was ready and open to you. And you were like, no, I have like, even if your heart wanted it, like you were like, no, I, I love my life. I have boundaries. I have a moral code now. Like good for you, girl. That. Yeah. That's great. I love it. And I love the <laughs> honesty in it. Like, hey, sometimes there, like temptation comes. Like I never said we wouldn't have temptation. And so, so interesting. So tell me more like about getting married. Was it like hard to like, okay, I've had all this sexual history. D- was it like something you hid from Johnny or did he know fully about it? Like, did you guys like hook up before you got married? Like, how did that work in marriage to go from like this that all those sexual experiences that happened before marriage to now I'm married and it's okay. Yeah. What happened there? I need to know. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, so Johnny and I got married really young. He was a week away from turning 20 and I had just turned 22 and we had had sex prior to marriage. Me and Johnny both had, um, individually, like he had had sex with another person. I had had sex with multiple people, but we also had sex together and we were long distance for a lot of it. So it's not like we were having sex every day. We weren't living together or anything, but when we did see each other, it was like, boom, immediate connection. It was really interesting though, because Johnny was different than everybody else. When I developed like even uh, feelings for Johnny and like the relationship started to develop, there was something very clearly different. And I like, I knew he was my person because I didn't, I could never envision my life without him in it. And he felt the same way. So anytime we came to wanting to leave each other, it was like, I can't, I literally cannot leave you because I cannot envision life without you in it. And so we had, you know, sex, I think the second night, because we were so exhausted from the wedding, but I remember experiencing sex after we got married and feeling it was like you know like when you do a puzzle and there's like one puzzle piece out of order it's like you're kind of like shoving it into place and that like is it's a not great quite right description for sex on the first day of marriage yes <laughs> <No>. yeah <laughs> and then you like turn it 
and it like fits you know what I mean and then it's like oh okay that's what it's supposed to feel like that's the kind of safety and security and rest that you can almost find in sex versus like what hookup culture has really created it to be which is all based off of high hormone levels you're horny you're excited you're nervous you're all these things and now you're gonna fuck it's gonna be great and then it's like all this high and then you come crashing down like the next day and it's like oh my god I'm embarrassed there's shame you know like does he like me I don't want him to see me naked should I put makeup on blah blah blah. all these questions and then you have sex when you're married and you're like oh I can do it however I want whenever I want he's not going anywhere. He's sleeping in this bed for the rest of his life. You know, like he's seeing this body for the rest of his life. I don't have to turn the lights off. I don't have to put makeup on. I don't have to brush my teeth in the morning. He doesn't care. He just wants me because he loves me and he loves my body and he loves everything that's about me. So I feel like once I got married, I was able to see that really clearly, which I was, I received as like a gift. It wasn't something that was like, oh, that's why you should have never had sex before marriage. It was like, oh, wow. Like, thanks, God. Thanks for showing me what it really feels like, what intimacy should really feel like. So tell me, explain that. What did it feel like? What was that revelation that God showed you? Like, this is the goodness of intimacy in marriage. How did that impact you? And like, what did that feel like compared to? I know you said it was like safety and Um, But tell me, like, just expound on that a little bit more. Yeah, there was so much comfort within it. Like, I didn't have the fear of abandonment. You know, I didn't have the fear of being looked at and judged in a certain way. Like, my body being examined and like, ooh, that's the kind of body that I like or that I want to have sex with or like, I don't want to have sex with. It was just like, yeah, yeah, the intimacy level just goes so much deeper like to a to like a cellular level you know Mm. it's it's a clear distinction between the the marriage covenant and like just having sex from before you know because at that point it could have been like no it wasn't great I don't think we should be together something could have happened and it's like I'm good I don't want to be in this relationship anymore and there you are naked, exposed, vulnerable, all these things, and they've left versus like when you're married, you're under this like umbrella of divinity. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so much more. That's, that's what it is. Sacred. It is so much more sacred. And that's like what I think where our podcast comes from is the sacredness of it. It is so special. It's so holy. It's so beautiful. And to treat it as such is actually makes it that much more heightened and intensified and yummy, you know? Yes. I love this topic. I love this. And I love you describing it for our listeners, especially who aren't married, who might be Mm. wondering, like, what's the point in saving myself for marriage? Like why, you know, I don't see any point to it. And I think it's so beautiful to paint a picture of how good it can be and how sacred and beautiful and protective it can be. Because often we hear about the marriages that suck, that they don't ever have sex, you know, and it's, it's awful. And so I just love of hearing the beautiful like descriptive language of what a healthy sacred sexual 
relationship can be. And I imagine there was probably like, before you're married, there's like performance, there's a little bit of performance, there's those insecurities, there's like, am I going to be accepted or rejected? And you spoke to that. But in a marriage, it's like, he chose me, Mm -hmm. I choose him. And there's this union. And now you're like inviting God into it. And it becomes a form of this sacred worship, this celebration of who you are as sexual beings. And I think it's so fascinating that you were able to enter into that and see like the the fruit and the glory of it without the shame, like carried any shame into your present about it. I I love that you were just like fully embracing yourself and him as sexual beings and that God showed you how much even better it could be, even better than like all of your sexual you know, experiences in the past. I wanted to ask you, where do you think you got your sexual confidence from? That's a good question. It's probably something I'd have to like dig into, but I feel, I feel like I always really liked myself. Like I always recognized that I was funny and there was an energy about me that was very like a, a magnet. And I've like been prophesied over that so many times. Oh, it's a hundred percent true. Like anybody who meets you can pick that up in like a second. Yeah. And so I I feel like I really believed that and I like owned it. Mm. And from like a young um, age. Yeah. Like I was performative. I was in plays. I was, you know, always making up fun things. I was very comfortable with being the center of attention. Like I was very comfortable with being celebrated and I wanted to be celebrated. I wanted to feel loved. And it's probably an attachment to like wanting to feel loved. My relationship to my confidence is like, well, I know that when I am my most confident self, I'm the most attracted to people or attractive to people. So, you know, sexually and non-sexually, like it's, I'm, I can pull that in, like I can bring that into my life. So, and I love people. So I'm like, well, if I'm confident, that's going to bring more people to me, you know? So (laughs) I love that. Like this beautiful, like combination of like your extroversion and like just the way God created you and being raised in a family that didn't put shame on you. So you had this freedom to like sexually or non-sexually express who you were and allow people in and like be seen and show up and be loved. I think that's so beautiful because for me, it wasn't like that. I had, it took me like Mm -hmm decades to come out of my shell so when I see someone that's Mm. like so beautifully confident just naturally confident and and I think it's funny too because like you always had this confidence but I think it's so interesting how the enemy like skewed it and like led you into all this crazy sexual stuff but even in that even in that you were still like oh I got it I'm a hottie like (laughs) I just love that like you carry that confidence (laughs) with you no matter what the whole way through baby (laughs) I love it (laughs) I love that you own it and I hope it like inspires other women to like own that that confidence for themselves yes yeah oh that's such a good point but that's so interesting awesome anything (laughs) else you want to share about yeah (laughs) I think something I want to share as well would be how much better sex gets the longer you're with your partner, it becomes so much more satisfying and so much more free. And like Johnny and I are in like a really good season of sex. I like to call them seasons because I do, I do believe there's ebbs and flows of like 
sometimes you have a dry season. Like we just got out of one that was, oh my God, we had sex like once a month for like two or three months. And now we're having sex like once or twice a week, which for us is really good. Like that's, (laughs) that's the sweet spot for us. Some people it's more than that, whatever. Some people it's less, whatever. I'm not judging, but for us, it's it's great. But like we're in, we're in like this flow. And I just think about how we were having sex, you know, earlier in marriage. And it's like, yeah, it was great. It was fun. But now it's even better. And it's more open. And I've tapped into a femininity that I really wasn't attached to my sensuality, my like sexiness, like is, I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's awakened or it just like got out of bed and like is running the marathon now or whatever, but it's so much better. And if you're experiencing a dry spell right now, or sex just kind of feels mundane or the same, it can get better. And a lot of that comes from your vulnerability and your honesty and your communication with your spouse of, hey, what do you think about trying this out? What do you think about doing this? Inviting curiosity back into the relationship and into the bedroom. I've, I feel really thankful to have a husband who is so open and is so willing to try new things and be creative and be spontaneous. And yeah, that's kind of, I think that that's a lot of like my sexual journey and history and my, my history with sex and what sex means to me now. And I, my prayer for this episode is that women would feel accepted and safe and loved and unashamed by whatever their history is because every single person, I don't care who you are, has a history with something, whether it's sex or another sin of choice. We've got it. We've got baggage, but that doesn't actually define who we are now. It's just a part of my story. And it gives me the opportunity to invite women to join me in a space of like love. And hey, we're here to talk about this stuff. We're here to open our lives to you so you don't feel alone because my God, the loneliness that can take place within a woman's heart when it comes to the topic of sex is heartbreaking. It's so sad. And so we want to bring you into a place of celebrating it and like having a party for it. You know, we're, we're flipping the script basically. Yes. I love it. I love everything about that. And I think that is a perfect place to land. Yeah. me too. Thank you for sharing your story and I just hope that this inspires our listeners, inspires you, it challenges you to get real and honest with yourself, to get right with God, to confess that there's stuff in you that is weighing you down, you know, to like get rid of that. You don't have to carry that around and to let her story inspire you to um, believe for and pursue a beautiful, sacred, healthy sex life with your husband. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Her Sacred Sexuality Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts and takeaways. Connect with us on Instagram at Her Sacred Sexuality. Take 60 seconds to share this episode with your besties and leave us a five-star review. That's the best compliment you could give us.